I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Away for another Vaughan boundary. <laughs> Well, he's a great fieldsman, Philip Tuffner. He often falls over and he's brought it into his batting as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club podcast brought to you by The Telegraph. Ben Wright, Michael Vaughan and Phil Tuffner with you as usual. We're getting to the back end of the cricket season now, and today we'll be reviewing the finals of the 100, discussing the freak injury suffered by Johnny Fairstow, and asking whether it might reopen the door for Alex Hales to be included in the T20 World Cup squad. That injury to Bairstow also shakes things up ahead of England's deciding test against South Africa at the Oval. Starting on Thursday, we'll be looking forward to that. And we've invited Sir Andrew Strauss onto the pod to discuss his high-performance review for English cricket and what exactly it entails. All right, morning, chaps. How are you? Morning. We're recording very bright and early on Sunday morning, which is a bit yes, of a change yeah. for us. Why is that? I don't know. It's the, it's the time when we all could do it. Um, <laughs> and uh, the time when our guest this week was able to uh, to chat with us. But it means that the 100 finals, which happened last night at Lords, are fresh in our minds. So we can we probably should chat about that first. Phil, you were there. Uh, good games. Yes, a good game. Uh, and I think... It needed a good game as well. Uh, I, was, I was glad that it sort of went down to the wire. There was sort of lots of excitement. There, there was more fireworks when the when the teams came out. There, you know, there was some there were more flames going on as well. And it was a good game. Um, you know, it, it went down to the last over, which was great. Um, I think that sometimes a low scoring game can be exciting. I mean, obviously everyone would have would have wanted 200 plays, 206s and 4s, but it got down to pressure. It got down to, you know, f- trying to get over the line, which has a sort of a new excitement in itself. And uh, yeah, there was a, a great crowd in. There was a good crowd there who were all enjoying it. And I think the, the men's and the women's game as well. And uh, I think uh, everyone went away happy from a good day. Yeah, the finals are often can be a damp squib, but we would be saying that in this competition it didn't really get going. But the the men's final in particular was pretty exciting. Uh, I I actually enjoyed watching the the bowlers dominate. You know, Sam Cook got four for twenty. Presumably, the crowd would have enjoyed seeing more fours and sixes. But uh, it was a good final, Mike. Yeah, good final. Uh, sometimes a bit like the two thousand and nineteen men's World Cup final when the pitch just offered a little bit. It made it yeah. 
a bit more exciting. Um, or oh, Gleeson got it wrong at the end. Oh, yeah. He got it wrong there. Great shots, but oh, ball into that short side and he's bowled it leg stump, half volley flick. Then a full toss. Uh, full credit to Gregory. Uh, yeah, good atmosphere. I, I enjoyed Bastille, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, having, <laughs> the mu- the having music at Laws is quite cool. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. No, it's, it's good to, 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 to see two games, you know, in the finals um, that were a lot closer. I mean, I, I do, I, I said it last year, the women's competition this year has been better than the men's because they've been closer games. I don't think there's been, uh, and the, the, the games towards the eliminator in the final because it's a must-win situation and obviously pressure plays a bigger role. Um, there, there's been better games towards the back end when teams have to win or, you know, you have to win an eliminator, you have to win a final. Um, but let's be honest, the, the men's game, it's been okay. It's been okay. But the women's game, once again, has been a better product to watch. And there was, there was a fantastic moment there. I think it was the, the 17-year-old lady from the Invincibles struck the winning runs. We, we got her up in the commentary box, you know, and uh, I've, I've never seen a bigger smile and there were tears in the eyes. It was, it was wonderful to see, you know, and I think, you know, someone asked her, well, d- did you ever think that when you'd be, you know, waking up this morning, 17, and knocking off the winning runs to, to win the 100 for your side, you know, do you think that would happen? And that was a lovely, lovely moment. Yeah, that's nice. But you, you mentioned the eliminator, Mike. I mean, we probably nearly had the best moment in the... I was going to say the history of the 100 is only two years old, but in the women's eliminator on Friday with the Brave beating the Rockets. And we had Nat Sivert uh, needing 22 off the last four balls, hit three sixes in a row, needed four off the last. Oh, amazing moment. Yeah. Well, and I tell you what, that last ball was there to whack. Yeah. I mean, actually, if she, if she had needed six off that last ball, I think she would have got it. It was needing four that was the problem, right? Oh, it was there. It was incredible striking. I mean, 22 off four and you get it to needing four off the last and you get one right in the slot. Oh, that way, I, I put it on. If that, had, if that had gone to the boundary, that game, they were nowhere near winning that game. And then Nat Siva suddenly started keeping the strike. I've just got to, it's, it's only me can do this. Then she gets a nice juicy few balls in the right slot, smacks it over mid-wicket, another one on over mid-wicket, one huge one over long on. And then that last ball, oh, just lost the shape slightly. Probably her eyes lit up again. And went, oh, I can't believe my luck. Well, I think she was interviewed, wasn't she? And she was if it, it, she was sort of trying to decide whether to hit it for six or hit it along the ground. In the end, she'd sort of scuffed it, scuffed it into the covers. But if she if she had needed six, if it was 24 she needed off the last four balls, yeah, know, well, maybe. And are the Oval Invincible women's team creating a dynasty? Oh, it's only been two years. <laughs> <laughs> Never beaten at Lords. Well, they are invincible. <laughs> um, going back to the men's final, um, one, I mean, most of the batters didn't really perform, but spotlight on Alex Hales, um, obviously, because uh, all the discussion was about the uh, the squad that's been picked for the Tour of Pakistan and then the T20 World Cup in Australia. He obviously wasn't picked for that. Rob Key talked about how he had been considered, but obviously that was before a certain Johnny Birthstow went and bust his leg. Well, amazing. What- yeah, I mean, first of all, what, what, what a bit of luck for Johnny Birthstow. I mean, bad luck. To, I think he was on the third tee at <laughs> Panel Golf Club that he slipped and 
you know, I, I, I don't know the full story behind it, but uh, it's a huge blow for England. I, I'm going to say it. I, I want to know what's happening with Alex Hales because I think he's been treated unfairly. I really do. I mean, you've got a different management team. You've got a different coach. You've got a different director of cricket. You've got a different captain. What has he done that he can never play for England again? And whatever it may be, surely, surely you can get in a room and shake a few hands and move forward. He is in England's best 10 to 12, at least, T20 experts. You look at his record around the world. He's just an incredible player. You've got no Johnny Bairstow. You haven't picked Jason Roy. I honestly think we need to know more. And if, if it is that Alex Hales can never play for England again, tell us why. Yeah, and, and and given and given that Rob Key has said that he was considered, but that they wanted Bairstow opening the batting. Given that Bairstow's now injured, if they now overlook him again, that's I mean, it's going to send quite a message. And 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 I think I just also, think it's unfair, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that if that is the case, I mean, I had it a little bit in my career when you know the lines of communication were very blurred. You know, when you were made to stand in the corner. <laughs> No, you know, and and you were made to stand in the corner for sometimes you didn't quite know what, and there might have been a couple of fellows who just didn't fancy it or particularly like you, and that isn't that's not fair enough. That's not fair enough, and I agree with Mike. If, if there is something, someone's got to stick their hand up, as you say, get together in a room and say, "Listen, mate, that's it," and, and I think that then that's fair. If it's just about, uh, you know, listen, if, if it's about skills or attitude or performance that's fair enough but if you just don't fancy someone that's that's not fair enough and the bloke needs to be told that he definitely needs to be told that because otherwise you just want you wander around going well you know where am i you know you're just in limbo for the whole of your career if it is that it's um you know the way that he he acted in 2017 around you know the incident in bristol you know that's that, that i can kind of get that in teams but that's a long time ago. People can change. You know, they can become different personalities on the back of, you know, something wrong happening to them. Um, yeah, I just think we need a little bit more transparency of, of exactly what, what has he done? Because clearly he's good enough to get in the team. Particularly now, he's good enough. It's just like, why aren't you picking him? Then? Yeah, Mike, I didn't. I don't know whether you spotted this though as well. I didn't like the the, the sticking plaster around the bottom of his bat. Did you see? Nah, that? there was a couple. Yeah, there was yeah, a couple. Holy Cadmore, he had. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was terrible. Not bad luck. It's about an actual fact, Phil. <laughs> Phil, we, we've we've got rid of a few things on this podcast, and we're trying to bring like Sweet Caroline back. It uh, doesn't seem to be um, travelling that far, but we'll keep going. Andrew's well, over um, now. Yeah, we I, have I, failed in that campaign. <laughs> yeah, I think having pla- plasters on your back, <laughs> the umpire should be able to give you out. <laughs> you walk out, you're taking guard, uh, middle stump, please. If you've got plaster on your back, the umpire should be out, you're out. Yeah, it's not <laughs> a good look. Not that I ever needed. My bats didn't particularly get very cracked during my career. But I think there are other products yeah. that you can wrap around it. <laughs> Phil, did you did you bat with the same bat all the way through your career? Uh, pretty much so. Pretty much so, yes. Um, I, I actually, it's funny, actually. I, I went through about seven or eight bat sponsors, you know. Um, uh, you know, I, Zenith, <laughs> I had Zenith, Cali, Simmons, 
um, Duncan Fernley, you know, they actually in the end used to pay me not to use their gear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a mercenary, Phil. You don't don't want to see the, that man walking out with biggest, a fur. You go for the biggest small check, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Did you? Uh, you your sponsors were GM, weren't they? Good and more, good and more till I die. And and did you did you uh, rotate through a whole load of bats, or did you have a favourite and you would play with it until it till it bust? No, I had, I had a few. I had a few. I got you know if you get a hundred with a bat, you just keep going, don't you? Yeah, just keep going with it. Ben, Ben, the boys used to when I played, the boys used to take them to bed with them. They used to used to go into the rooms. No, they did. They, they used to go into the rooms of Thorpey and NASA and Ramps and everyone like that, and Robin Smith and these guys. They'd, they'd be about ten lined up in their bedroom, and they'd be talking to them. Yeah. I say, "You coming down? You coming out for some dinner?" And a pint like that. He goes, "Oh no, I've got to talk to my bats." You know. <laughs> And I'd walk in. I'd walk in there. And they'd be sort of talking to them and feeling them and stroking them. They're very strange batsmen, you know. Like like, like the U.S. Marines. <laughs> this is my rifle. There are many like it, yeah. but this one exactly. is mine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, talking about Johnny Bairstow, uh, obviously England are going to be without him at the Oval for the decider against South Africa. How do we see that one shaping up, Phil? Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a cracking game, isn't it? It's set up beautifully, isn't it? Yeah, Johnny Bairstow will be a miss. Uh, as simple as that. I think that, um, yeah. you know, it was obviously a horrific sort of injury. I mean, what a what a stroke of bad luck that is. But um, I can assure you that South Africa will be seeing that as a plus. Um, you know, not meaning to be harsh yeah. or anything, but they'll be delighted that the guy who has set alight English Test cricket all summer won't be playing. Um, I think the toss is going to be crucial. I think um, England perhaps have just got their noses in front. But when you've got a bowling attack like South Africa have got, if they get firing again, um, you know, you're going to have to watch out. Going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see how it ends up. Yeah. And Mike, who who's going to replace Bairstow, do we think? Well, Harry Brook will play. Um, you know, he's he's. A, a very very talented player, so he'll get his chance. It's just whether he's, you know, getting a chance at, at the time where he's he's not played much cricket. Yeah, you know, so he'll be making his debut on the back of particularly no red ball cricket. So it's not going to be as easy if he'd have played against New Zealand or India. But um, it's a big big blow for England. You know, it's a massive blow. You know, look at what Bairstow's done in every every game really, uh, possibly barring Lords. He's just had impact in every test match this summer. So he's a massive blow. Um, yeah, but it gives a chance to Brooke. And you just feel England, England are on a roll. Um, yeah. They're playing good cricket. I'll guarantee South Africa won't play two spinners. I'll guarantee <laughs> that Janssen will come back in. And I'll guarantee if they win the toss, uh, they'll bowl first. Having said that, the Oval's quite quite good for spin traditionally, isn't it? Phil, you've had quite a lot of success at the Oval. Absolutely, absolutely. Not I loved recent. it. Not recently. Well, not no, Phil. No. Phil hasn't recently. I'll go back 20, go back 20 30 years. <laughs> and, well, I was reading the other day, Phil, you got a wicket with your very first ball bowling for England in England at the Oval. Isn't that right? That's right, Clayton Lambert. Bowled a spell of six for three, I managed to get. It was funny, actually, because Gucci threw me the ball and I was a bit nervous and what have you like that and we're sitting at the end of the mark sort of uh, 
looking round, sort of setting the field. And I could see Clayton Lambert practising the, 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 the slog over deep mid-wicket about six or seven times. <laughs> and I was sort of talking to Gucci and out the corner of my eye, he was just going, whack, whack. And I was going, oh, my God, what's going on here? Floated one upside the off stump. He played exactly the same shot in me been practicing and thankfully it went straight up in the air yeah but uh, no it's a it's a wonderful place it's a wonderful place the oval uh, was that the same match it, in which it, you it got jump in the, the great viv richards out twice yes i did yes yes twice I did. with one but, ball uh, yes that's right you know so that was a bit of luck yeah the great viv richards it was his last test match i think it was about 50 odd you know but i'm still having it i'm still i still my best wicket to viv was he caught and stumped? Or <laughs> well, yes, that's right, that's right. Yeah, because the umpire, the umpire, had, um, the umpire was um, sort of renowned for being partially deaf, <laughs> and uh, which isn't great if you're an umpire. <laughs> so as I, so as he nicked it, as he nicked it, I went Alex stumping because he might not have heard it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so the Oval's good for good for spin twenty or thirty years ago. I mean, obviously this week it likely to be. We're into September now, likely to be overcast. So it might be might be good for the South African seamers. Yeah, the last few years it's been generally seam swing. It's a good pitch. It's a it's a great venue. Great, great. Facility get there. some runs, runs, Mike. Runs, runs. Get runs. Good bounce. Trust the bounce, but it does nibble. It can. You can get periods at the over where the ball starts to swing. We saw an incredible spell last year from Jasprit Bumrah. And he got reverse swing and he, he bowled some fierce Yorkers. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good... Generally, I mean, it's not... I don't think the, 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 the toss makes a massive difference. It's just, you know, you know which way the, 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 these two teams will go. But um, it's just purely on, on the quality that you can produce. If you produce quality, you'll win. Simple as that. But both teams will feel the same. They've got to get. They've got to get some runs in the first innings. First innings. Get runs in the first innings. You got every chance. Yeah. No, let's not leave it to the chase this time. <laughs> so we're joined on the pod today by Sir Andrew Strauss, former England captain, of course, but also chair of the ECB's Performance Cricket Committee. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Uh, you've just published your high performance review, uh, currently out for consultation. This was commissioned in the wake of England's 4-0 defeat in the Ashes over the winter. Since then, England had a pretty good summer, beating New Zealand, the current World Test Champions, 3-0, and we've got a decider against South Africa. Can you explain to us why you nevertheless think this review is necessary and how about how you went about putting it together? Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, when we you're right to, to illustrate. We, we started talking about this review after the Ashes defeat, and you'll remember just how painful that was and how many people were calling for fundamental change in English cricket, et cetera, on the back of it. And, you know, often we do that. We react like that when we lose an Ashes series. And by the way, we've done that quite often away from home. But I think once we started looking at this project, I think we started looking at it a bit more broadly and asking some sort of significant questions about just how good have we been? You know, over the last 40 years, we've been number one in the world in Test cricket for 12 months. Uh, and generally, we've been around the sort of fifth best team in the world over a 40-year period. Our white ball cricket prior to 2015 was very poor, but it has improved quite significantly since then. So, look, I, I think if, we, if we're if we serious and, and we sort of set ourselves the ambition in this project of trying to get 
our system to a stage where England can be the best in the world across all formats within five years, which is a very ambitious goal. Like no, no one should underestimate how hard that would be given, you know, what we've been doing over the last 40 years or so. If we want to do that, we need to look at everything we do and say, look, can we do this better? Like, is there a better way of doing it? Can we get a, an aligned system where everyone's working together better? Um, and then also, I think we need to just understand that the game of cricket is moving very quickly around us. So, rise of T20 leagues, players getting offered contracts, maybe 12-month contracts for various franchises around the world, uh, bilateral international cricket being squeezed, and we've seen that with South Africa and Australia, high-profile players retiring from international cricket. So we, we effectively, we've got to try and throw all of that in the mix and come up with a set of suggestions that hopefully moves English cricket forward significantly. That's what this project's been about for the last you know, eight or nine months or so now, and we're getting to the stage where the rubber is hitting the road and we're putting some proposals in front of people. Straussy, um, do you only have a review when things haven't gone well? <laughs> the ECB tends to only commission reviews when things aren't going well. I think that's true. I mean, obviously, the England Cree Department do reviews after every tour or whatever, but, um, but look, tough as you will remember how painful that Ashes series was. We got hammered out there, and I think there was a lot of people feeling at the end of that like enough is enough on this like what what is going wrong here why can't we perform better away from home why can't we produce opening batsmen that at least average 35 or 40 and so you know there was a lot of kind of anger and I think what we've been trying to do with this project is kind of like take that anger to one side and just go right let's let's just do this a bit more sort of methodically let's look at what the evidence tells us about what's good in English cricket and what's not so good and then come up with some suggestions that hopefully move things forward. And Straussy, um, thanks for joining the uh, the Vaughan Tuppers CC. Uh, we are a cricket club, so welcome to the team. Uh, not too sure where. We've no, no idea where we're all going to be batting at the minute playing. Uh, we're a bit of a shambles on selection, but thanks for joining the club. Um, <laughs> we need a review. We need a review. <laughs> we, <laughs> we do need a review. Very true, Phil. Um, let, let's go. So the Ashes four 0 England get um, beaten heavily. Um, lots of turmoil. Everyone's saying we need change. Just talk us through the, the the project, how it starts, how you go about putting your team together, and then you you know you've used words like suggestions. Who do you suggest your kind of findings to? That's a good question, Vaughan. So the the first thing we did was we kind of looked like okay, well, what are we trying to achieve here? that idea of what's the ambition and and we realized like we can't just be about red ball cricket we, we want to be the best across all formats and then it's okay well if we let, let's commission some analysis so we did a load of analysis work to, to understand where we are relative to that ambition I, I thought it was really important in all of this and I know that we've received a bit of stick from it but I, I stand by 100% to get some people from other sports just so uh, we can understand how other sports go about doing this sort of stuff, like people that have done it well, you know, the likes of David Brailsford or Kate Baker, who's head of performance at UK Sport, just to say, look, okay, well, look, how do other sports do this? And then we've got a sort of core group of both, you know, ECB people and uh, um, uh, some consultants called the 21st Group who've been helping us with a lot of the, the sort of background data stuff. Um, Andrew, can I pause, pause just a second there? Because can you explain what some of those... Uh, external personalities, some of the suggestions they made that were really useful for you? Yeah, well, look, I, I think probably the first thing to say on that is 
we've got quite a good history in English sport of high performance. And certainly if you look at Olympic sports, the transition that they've made from when it was it 96 in Atlanta, when we got one gold to, you know, what we did in 2012 and all that sort of stuff. And, and what was really clear was this is very doable, but what you need is alignment. So you need a whole system working together. You need to be quite ruthless in where you put your money and you need really strong leadership. You know, someone needs to be on this 24 hours a day, every day of the week, making sure that the, the system's working and you're keeping on top of your players and your coaches and all that sort of stuff. One, one thing that David Brailsford said that really resonated with me is like, you can have all knowledge in the world. It's about execution. Like, you just got to do it. It was just learning that, like how different sports do it, how, how tennis kind of look at what skills and requirements do you need to identify at a young age to give you the best chance of going on and, and playing at a top level, uh, how they do it in, you know, Olympic sports. Cycling was obviously an, an interesting one. We had a really good uh, case study in British curling. Oh, So we, we started <laughs> to understand what they've been through. Um, and just, you know, so it was really, I, I found it quite stimul- stimulating. I found it really interesting and there was a lot for us to learn. Yeah, so could you perhaps talk us through some of the main proposals and the, and the focus of the document, really, because it seems to me reading it that uh, there's a there's a there's a real focus on the the jump that players make from county to international level, and there's a there's a quote in there about Australian batters averaging virtually the same domestically as they do in their in- initial test innings, but for England there's more of a jump up. So the obvious conclusion would be that the standard of county cricket isn't quite good enough. Is that fair? And is this uh, is a lot of the focus on narrowing that gap? Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is where it's hard to get a load of information into a short space of time. I mean, there's 16 recommendations, but if I sort of just chunk them up, I I think a lot of focus is, of course, around the county game and and because that's the the contentious one. But I I reckon there's sort of five or six different areas that we're looking at in our recommendations. So the first one is that creating focus and alignment bit, like trying to bring the whole game together. And we've talked about having a performance summit every year for people involved in in professional cricket so that the England people can talk to the county people, we can share knowledge, all that sort of stuff, making sure there's someone on the ECB board that's actually got a high performance focus. Like we don't have that currently. We've talked about making sure there's there's reward for impact. So counties get rewarded for developing England players, whether it's under 19, whether it's England Lions, whether it's full England players. They, they should be, in our opinion, rewarded for how well they do on the pitch. At the moment, that doesn't happen. Like Everyone just gets the same amount of money. The, the third area is creating more overseas opportunities. You know, we all know how hard it is for us to win away from home. We want to create more opportunities for players to play away. We want better pitches, and we've talked about how we might be able to do that with a slightly different point system in the, in the championship, but also introducing mobile ball tracking, which gives us a much better indication of objective information on whether pitches are actually playing well or not. And we talked about contracts, so both England contracts and maybe domestic contracts around creating more flexibility in there, rewarding players that are playing you know, all formats of the game, etc., and then the final one, and, and this is the contentious one, is around best versus best competitions. And, um, uh, you know, you're absolutely right to highlight the information says very, very clearly that our players drop off substantially from their domestic uh, performances when they get into the international environment, whether that's seam bowlers, whether that's batsmen, whether it's spinners. 
we're a long way behind Indian batters, for instance, when we make our debut and then we, we fall back quite a long way. And, and so what we're trying to say is that we want a county championship, a four-day competition that is as intense as it can be, as high a standard as it can be, and as closely as possible replicates the demands of international cricket. And so those are the sort of recommendations we're putting to the game. By the way, you know, very o- open about this. The game has to vote on this. It's their, their choice what cricket they play. Uh, but what we're trying to do is put the facts in front of the game to say, look, if we're serious about England performing well, we need to ask ourselves some difficult questions about is the domestic game actually working in the way we want it to? Uh, Strauss, just um, a few things. Um, you say you want to create more opportunities for players to play overseas. How's that going to kind of work in the programme? Um, I was interested you said ball, uh, mobile ball tracking. Yeah, well, so okay, is that so, a new piece of technology? <laughs> you know, we're not in the dark ages anymore, Vaughny. Like the, the world's moving forward. Like if you think about Hawkeye, <laughs> the, the mobile versions of that they're being developed at the moment, uh, which allow us to, you know, to understand. It's a really good for player ID. Understands how quickly people are bowling, how much movement they're getting. Obviously, it obviously allows you to understand how well or otherwise the pitch is playing. Uh, that's something that's in development at the moment, which hopefully will be ready to be rolled out in the next um, 12 to 18 months or so. Um, the, the more overseas opportunities, I think, are Lions programme. So m- more Red Bull cricket away from home with the Lions. Uh, an annual North versus South fixture, like a, a season opener, maybe in Abu Dhabi. So those would be the two, the, the two obvious areas that we can influence. And then, of course, we're still going to be encouraging players to go away. I mean, like, probably you did, Vaughn, when we went away and played club cricket in Australia and people go to South Africa. And, that, you know, that's brilliant for players to do that. Uh, but, of course, we also need to be aware that a lot of these players are being picked up to play white ball cricket abroad in the winter as well. So it is a challenge, but we, we just need to hold our end of the bargain on that and say, look, we, we, we want to provide opportunities for players to, especially to play red ball cricket away from home because they'll have lots of white ball options, I reckon. Uh, Straussy, it's not just about throwing money at it, is it? I mean, you're saying they're about rewarding everyone and everyone's got to get this and counties have got to get this. Sometimes that sort of doesn't achieve things, does it? Yeah, I think you're right, Tuffers. I mean, I I think maybe the game has operated too much around, you know, money. I I think it's about, you know, that old saying about winning hearts and minds is probably it's a bit of a cliche but we, we just need to get people bought into this that do, do we want to do this as a game that's the question do, do we want do we genuinely want England to do really well across all formats do we want to create heroes you know you think back to Vaughan's team in 2005 and the impact that had on on just not just the game but the country like are we serious about this do we want to do it let's do it together uh, and that's that alignment bit around us saying okay well we've all got a a part to play in this, whether it's Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes versus, you know, the guys running the the second team at Derbyshire. Like, we, everyone's got a role to play in this and let's do it together. That, that's my view. So I think we can. But at the moment, you know, I, I don't think that has worked particularly well, uh, certainly over the last 20 years or so. I don't think there has been that alignment there, if I'm honest. You always get a, a cry from the county fans. You know, those county diehards who uh, are so worried that one or two counties will be lost. Uh, they're not going to have as much cricket to watch because there's going to be less cricket. Can can you send the message to those fans? And we have thousands listen to this podcast, Andrew. 
thousands of the county fans. Can you can you promise them that they will still have lots of cricket to watch? Yeah, of course. And I think we're really conscious of, you know, what we're not saying here is, right, we're going to get rid of 10 counties. We're just going to have eight teams. And, you know, we don't care about the system that's developed over 150 years. Like that, That's the last thing we want. What we're saying is we want a, a smaller first division. The recommendations, the options we put in front of the game are a six-team top division. We want probably less championship cricket, but that doesn't mean there's necessarily less first-class cricket because I think there's an opportunity to play first-class cricket in August during the 100 window. But ultimately, we can't keep everyone happy here. Like, If we are serious about high performance, we've got to make sure that that domestic structure is ticking that high-performance box. We're raising the standard. We're making it more challenging. We're making it more intense. We're developing spinners. We're asking bowlers to bowl quicker. We're playing on flatter pitches that will force players to develop the skills they need at international cricket. That's that's what we've got to do here. But there's still going to be loads of cricket. We play more cricket in this country in a shorter season than anyone else in the world by a long way. And how just just on that strategy, how would the season look? None of us have got a magic wand to make a, a schedule absolutely perfect, but I think we can do it a lot better. Like I, I think what we've the options we put to the game, and by the way, we're still consulting on this, so like we, we don't know exactly where we'll end on it, but is we start the season with a, a 50 over competition with all our best players playing in it. We then go into a period of championship cricket. We will probably have a, a period in July where there's a, a bit of championship and a bit of blast cricket. August will be the hundred with you know, what we're recommending is some good quality Red Bull cricket underneath it, either either regional cricket or if the, if the counties don't want that, just local derby cricket. And then finally, the, the September is going to be like the the end of the four-day season. So whether that's playoffs, whether it's finals, uh, all kind of reaching a crescendo in, in September. What we're also trying to do is not start the season at the beginning of April and end it in October. You know what I mean? Like, we, we need to... That's madness. Um, so we're trying to shorten the season as well uh, and make sure there's opportunities for players to have a bit of a rest and practice uh, alongside just playing. Uh, and Strauss, it, it, your job now is to go and sell this to the, the CEOs, the chairmen of all the counties. From what I'm looking at here, it's not a drastic change. It's not like you're suddenly saying, right, we're only going to have 10 teams playing four-day cricket. You know, all 18 counties are going to be playing four-day cricket. That's correct. The Blast is going to carry on. That's something that they love, which is fine. There's going to be a 50-over competition, which might be tweaked a little bit to make it a little bit more that must-win game, which, again, is, is something that's not too drastic. And there'll be quite a lot of four-day cricket. I, I don't see what you're proposing, that it's massively drastic. So why would they oppose that? Well, that's a very good question, Vaughan. Like, I'm hoping that they don't oppose it. I, I think, look, the, the truth is there is, of course, whenever you talk to anyone in the game, they always look at it from their own point of view. Like, what does this mean for me? Uh, so if a team finds themselves potentially not in the first division of the championship, they're probably not going to like that very much. And then, of course, you know, they're, they're rightly worried about how their members will will feel about potentially playing less four-day cricket or not playing as many championship games, um, you know, those are the, the, the contentious points. Like, I personally feel exactly like you do, Vaughan, that this is, this, is, we, this is a pragmatic solution to the issues we've got. This is not a kind of revolutionary run because the game's not ready for revolution. Like that, the, the, Ultimately, revolution's not on the cards here. So 
um, you know, if we found ourselves in a situation where, you know, in a state of, of paralysis on this, I don't think anyone wins out of that. Everyone can see their place in this. Like, there's no reason why any team can't see themselves going, right, you know, I can be in those top six teams in the first division. There's a, there's a way of us getting promoted to get there. What, what, would, um, what would revolution look like? Well, I mean, you tell me, but revolution, I'll tell you what revolution is, is all our players going off and playing domestic white ball cricket abroad. Which, by the way, is not a million miles away. You know, so I think we need to be cognizant of this. Like the world is moving around us and we can't stick our head in the sands and pretend it isn't. There are loads of domestic franchise tournaments out there, likely to be one or two in the English summer starting pretty soon. So our players have never had more options. And if, if the game in this country is not listening to them, and by the way, the players as part of this have said very strongly, we play too much cricket. Uh, we don't have enough time to practice and prepare. Uh, the schedule's a mess. We don't listen to them. They're going to start voting with their feet. So in your conversations with the counties coming up, which are the proposals you're going to be fighting for, hardest for? Uh, well, all of them. I think what, what, what we really want to hear about from the counties is what does this actually mean for you? So, you know, if we move to a different domestic structure and, and we, we reshape the season, uh, what does it mean for you? And, I, and that's not just county chairs, that's county CEOs. What does it mean for you commercially? County directors of cricket, well, is this a better structure? Is this one going to be one that you're going to find it easier to prepare for, for matches uh, and to do everything you need to do to make sure your team are playing at the, at the highest level it can be? I just asked those questions. We've, we've, we've done a, a number of consultancy sort of get-togethers already, and so we're starting to get that information back quite clearly now, which is great because then we can refine things. Um, and if there's really strong feedback that goes, look, you're barking up the wrong tree here, then we can we can take another look at things. But, um, you know, it, it is just, it's about understanding that this is about players as much and, and coaches as much as it is about uh, members and committee members. You know, we, we need to do what's right for the game here. And Strauss, you, you mentioned the players have, have obviously um, come forward and said they, they feel they play too much. Have you had uh, insight from the coaches and the directors of cricket of, of all the counties. Yeah, so we've had um, we've had Marcus North has been on the group all the way through, sort of representing the directors of cricket. Um, so he's had lots of meetings with them. Uh, as I said, they've been in the room with these these consultancy uh, consultation periods we've had over the last uh, week or so. Yeah, I think that the message very strongly, by the way, from I haven't heard anyone say they're happy with the current schedule. You know, I think everyone feels it's a bit of a dog's dinner. Uh, it's a huge amount, like very intense blocks of cricket where you, you might be playing eight games in eight weeks, uh, eight four-day games in eight eight weeks. And then some of our Red Bull players have a big chunk of time where they're not playing at all. And and coaches in particular uh, and the, the all-format players are just on that grind and that treadmill. And, of course, if you're on that grind and treadmill, you're not going to be playing at your best. Uh, by the way, groundsmen are speaking very loudly as well, saying we're really struggling to produce pitches here. We don't have the time to prepare them properly. And so we need to listen to that as well. And Strauss, so this is for 2024, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think the I think the message came back very strongly that next year is too early. Like, you know, I think uh, there's a there's a bit of work to be done to get us there. Um, and and I think they, they all say that, um, it's important that the counties know what they're playing for at the start of the season. Um, and so, 
you know, if we have to, if it has to be delayed a year or so, that that's okay as long as, in my opinion, we get to the right solution eventually. So just to, just break. So um, 2024, we could have a, a top tier four day top six teams. Would they come from the teams that finish in the top six next year? Yeah, in all likelihood, yeah. So that was Andrew Strauss. Lots there to digest. What did you make of it, Mike? Uh, well, first and foremost, um, I, I trust Andrew Strauss. Yeah, I do. And I trust his process. I trust people that he would have asked. He, he's not asking the likes of David Brailsford, Simon Timson, uh, Dan Aswith to, to come in and tell everyone how to bowl leg spin or how to bowl 90 miles an hour. I think it's so important that cricket broadens its horizons and eyes really to, to what other sports are doing. So I'm absolutely for uh, outside uh, of cricket influence on the future of our game. Um, I also trust that Andrew Strauss will only be doing what he thinks is right for the game to make England a better cricket team. I don't, I don't ever think that Andrew Strauss is going to put a, a group of people together to try and put something in place that's not going to make England better. You only have to look at what he did as a captain. You only have to look at what he does as a director of cricket. Uh, and everything that he's spoken about, I honestly, I don't see it being drastic. You know, I don't see him getting rid of four counties, which I guess would have been the worry for some. I don't see him playing six to eight four-day games. It's it's 10 to 13, you know, probably 13 if you play those games in August, those kind of local derbies. Um, there's a 50-over competition. There's a, a T20 blast. There's the 100, which is probably... The the biggest argument I think in cricket as the minute in the minute at the minute is the hundred. You know there are some in the game that just don't like the hundred, don't think it should be there. But I, I think the hundred is very very important for the commerciality of the game and for English cricket to have that standout tournament. Just on that point, just on that point, because I mean, if you read the report, there's a sort of obvious lacuna. He doesn't actually talk about the hundred much. And if the aim is to ensure that the the elite game, um, England are top in the world at Test. T20 uh, and the 50 over format, does it make sense to be having a domestic competition in a format that no one else plays? Well, you know, that that's a, a very good argument. And, and fundamentally, would a eight-team franchise T20 tournament work as well as the 100? Yes. Yes, it would. Um, but when they were selling it to broadcasters a few years ago, did the likes of the BBC, uh, Channel 4, uh, Channel 5, ITV... Want a T20 tournament? Possibly not. It's just a little bit too long for the terrestrial stations. Um, you know, the hundreds here to stay. You know, I, I think we've got to get away from whether the hundreds going to stay or not. It's here to stay. Um, it, it, it started to come to light in the last few games of the hundred. I thought the, the eliminators were exciting. So that tells you, you know, everything that Andrew Strauss and his team are trying to put together is the best versus the best. You know, and when you get that, and you get that real, that real moment of matter. You know, you have to win that game. That's when you start getting, you know, a one twenty chase becoming tricky because you can't, you can't fail. You know, so I think what they're trying to produce, you know, particularly with that top, and I get there'll be twelve counties that are going to be very, very disappointed that they're not in the top six, the the Premier League of four day cricket. They will have an opportunity to get into that, but there will be some counties, and we know Phil, there's many in the in the county game that may never get the chance to be in that top six because all the best players will start to go to the top six teams 
and then a couple in that, that that second division, if you like, who they think might get promoted the following year. There will be quite a few counties that might in this system go, uh, right, we're just going to focus everything on white ball cricket because we're never going to get into that top six. So it might, that 12-team that second division might end up being a very poor standard. Yeah, it, it could it could then just become like little feeder clubs, couldn't it, to the big clubs a little bit like the football. Yeah. And it not 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 hugely drastic, but Phil, how optimistic are you that he'll be able to get these proposals over the line and get the counties to vote for them? Well, as we've been discussing, it's not a huge difference, you know. I mean, it was very interesting listening to it because you know you you pick up bits and pieces in the media and what have you, but then when it's actually sort of like laid out and explained to you. You know, like right in front of you, you sit there and go, "Well, you know, why why are we all so hesitant about it? Why are we all so freaked out about it? Why are we all so freaked out about the hundred? Why are we all so freaked out about it? You know what I mean? And so, when it's actually laid to you, and I think that that's what Strauss should do. He said that he's, you know, there'll always be these people against it. I don't particularly hear too many of these people. I don't, you know, they're, they're not standing outside grounds with placards, you know, there's a little bit on social media and things like that. I think they're the people that you actually then need to go and talk to, you know, and, and explain to them. Yeah, because... I mean, Phil, I, I think the biggest stat and, and, and what people have to realise, when he says in the last 40 years, England have been the number one in the world in test cricket for 12 months. Well, I think Australia have been number one for 170 months. Like you're kind of looking at the difference in terms of what Australia produced and what uh, England have produced. We've had some wonderful teams, you know. Andrew Strauss was was captain of the team that, that got to number oh, one, uh, won the the Ashes in Australia. Um, so England do produce good cricket teams, but you know, if we want to be the best across all the formats, you know, and we really want to create a system where, you know, you've got a, a four day competition where you're seeing two or three bowlers bowling 88 to 90 miles an hour in every team, you know, and, and to be a spinner, you've got to rip it. You've got to spin it. You've got to get some, some action on the ball. You know, I, I just don't think we have a system at the minute that is, is geared towards bowlers bowling 88 to 90 miles an hour, uh, spinners giving it a rip. You, you generally got spinners in the county game that are that holding bowler who can bat. You know, we don't have spinners that really are ripping the ball. And ultimately, if you're playing on good pitches and you're playing four-day cricket, you know, you want to produce batters who are getting double hundreds regularly. You know, the days of just getting a hundred, they're gone. You've got to get doubles. You've got to get monster hundreds. And, you know, I think this is what I, I, I like about the, the programme. As I said, it's nothing drastic. It's nothing radical. It's nothing that I would look at and, and think, oh, oh, I'm missing out on this. I'm missing out on that. I honestly think in cricket... You've got a group of, uh, can I call them activists? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I just think, I, I think they're activists who just, who, I, they are, I just, I just think they, they're pests. They just don't like change. They don't want change. They don't want to see cricket differently. Cricket, as Straussy said, many other people have said, the rest of the world are realising cricket's moved. It's changing. It's not what it used to be. It's a different game. It's almost like a different sport. We have to move with it. One other thing we need to discuss, the Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club. We've now had 13 guests. If you include you two, that's 15 international cricketers. Mm. As a cricket club, if we're going to have to pick our first 11, we're going to, we're going to have some tricky selection issues. And I've just been looking through our list of guests. 
Uh, and we've got we've got some issues because we've got four or five specialist openers. We've got four spinners. Oh, Mike, you could be under here. <laughs> four spinners, Phil. So, oh shit! Oh dear! We've only got two quicks <laughs> and no keeper at the moment. Well, so, Phil, if you want to put the gloves on, that might be your best bet. Have you seen? Have you seen me field? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Andrew Strauss keep before. Yes, I have. I've, I've, he's kept for me, Mike. Um, Joe Root. No, he's going to get in the team, isn't he, Joe? It's just whether we buy. Do you reckon? I think I think you might be right. <laughs> I think we'll have him at number four. Uh, yeah, it, 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 uh-huh. it's a tricky one. Look, we're quite ruthless in selection. Yeah, well, we co- we currently have got just 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 to show where we're we're really strong. We've got openers. We've got Vaughan MP Ooh. boycott. Ooh. Triscothic. Ooh. Yeah, Smith. I, I'm not making. I'm not <laughs> making. But I, I'm going to bat. Look, I'm, I'm just saying to you now. I'm batting three. The rest are pissed off. I'm okay. I actually, I actually had you down. <laughs> Yeah, it's my team. I'm batting three. They can piss. I'm batting number three. <laughs> I don't care how they are. Okay. So I so at the moment it's boycott or Smith, Triscothic. Triscothic's in. Triscothic's in. You need right hand, left hand, right? And I had Vaughan at three. Yeah. But we, to, to be discussed. Yeah. To be discussed. Spinners. Mm. Got the King of Spain. Ooh. Ravi yeah. Ashwin. Yeah. Simon Harmer. Oh, we're playing two spinners. Well, <laughs> but bear in mind, bear in mind that we do only have two other bowlers because we've we've got we've got Wazim Akram and Trent Bolt. Nice. So, yeah. Well, we're going to need off spin. Obviously, left arm over. <laughs> yes. So Ashwin gets in. Can't be. Yeah. Look, Phil, you're. I'm not Phil. Tell him you're in. I'm in. You're in Phil, I'm not, Phil I'm not. you can put your foot down. You're in. <laughs> well, I've I've got Harmer at twelfth man at the moment. Right. Mm. Yeah, you, you can tell him that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and to 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 make things easier, I thought if we make Ravi Shastri coach and Rob Key the team manager, yes, uh, and then I'll be I'll be water boy. Absolutely. Well, you're in, Ben. Delivering some quality H two O. Well, or gin and tonic during the game. I always used to have <laughs> gin and tonic boy. <laughs> I'll be cocktail waiter. Team cocktail waiter. Cocktail waiter. <laughs> right, that's about all we have time for this week. We'll be back at the usual time on Wednesday next week when we'll be discussing that last test match at the Oval and looking back at an extraordinary summer of cricket. In the meantime, the Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club channel is now packed full of past episodes, including our conversation with Joe Root last week in which he really opened up about the pressures of captaining the England test side. A reminder, you can get in touch with us on Twitter or via email. The address is cricketclub at telegraph.co.uk. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to follow to stay up to date. Until next week, goodbye. My name is Mary Loy. And I'm a welding major and a Marine. I chose Columbus State. Columbus State was an affordable way for me to try out different fields and find a career that I was excited about. One week into my first welding class, I fell in love with welding. It's in every building, every bridge, and every roadway that you drive on. I chose Columbus State. Now, I've found my niche in an industry that's shaping the skyline of Columbus.